0: Welcome to The Cool Tools Show. I'm Mark Frauenfelder, Editor-in-Chief of Cool Tools, a website of tool recommendations written by our readers. You can find us at cool-tools.org. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly, founder of Cool Tools. Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's great to be here. In each episode of The Cool Tools Show, Kevin and I talk to a guest about some of his or her favorite uncommon and uncommonly good tools they think others should know about. Our guest this week is Billy Rubin. Billy is a maker of many kinds. She has a background in theatrical costume making and has helped run some of the largest 3D printing communities around. She likes blending unexpected materials and techniques in her work, which she shares via her posters, workshops, and a shiny new YouTube channel. Hey, Billy, how are you?
1: Well, thank you. How are you, Mark?
2: Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're so glad that you have decided to join us this morning in your time, and we're looking forward to your great tool picks.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I feel very honored and excited to be here.
0: <laughs> uh, we're excited to have you. Yeah, and we're, we're talking to you. Uh, we're here in California. You're in Australia. Luckily, we're both awake, and so yes. we can chat. <laughs> um, so we'll get started. So, so you are... Uh, really like pushing the envelope with 3D printing, and uh, 3D printing is this this become like this tool of creativity for you. So, talk a little bit about uh, the 3D printer that you have and what you use it for.
1: Yeah, so I have I have a few 3D printers, and I I was struggling to like pick one as a recommendation because I kind of just think people should have a 3D printer, and purely because it supplements like if you make anything. It will supplement whatever you're doing in some way. Um, like you can make tools with it, you can make little jigs, you can make full projects with it. Um, and I just think, yeah, it's just such a wonderful technology for kind of making anything, which sounds very broad. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I couldn't go, I couldn't talk about my favorite tools without talking about yeah. a printer. I think I love that <laughs>
0: idea of using the three D printer as a tool to make tools. That's really like a cool idea.
2: Yeah. Could you mention a particular one that you use just for help in people as they kind of decide whether they want one? Is there, is there one that you can kind of use out of the box where you don't have a whole lot of fiddling to do?
1: I think it really depends. So the reason I didn't want to give a recommendation is it sort of depends on what you like to make um, and your budget and a bunch of other things. So I guess what I, what I, probably say for the best bet would be is to jump into a community like the discord or just find a few people who 3d print and talk about what you like doing and ask for some recommendations because i think like there's two main styles of 3d printers there's which you guys probably know but there's the filament ones that work like a hot glue gun that moves around and they print in plastic and then there's the resin ones that work by curing resin using uv light and those technologies are really suited to very different kinds of making. So if you're doing more functional stuff, I'd go down the filament FDM route. And then if you're doing more like organic, beautiful things, then I'd go down the resin route, but like, it kind of depends a little bit as well, I guess. Yeah, for a filament one, like an easy one to sort of suggest to people is a Prusa MK3 because they mm-hmm. have a lot of support behind them. And um, yeah, there's a big community and everything. So that's probably a pretty good one if you're just trying to get into filament stuff. And then if you're getting into resin, I have not an any Cubic Photon, but it's very similar to other machines like the Elegoo Mars and um, uh, yeah, like a Frozen and stuff. So yeah, anything in that range. It will be good to start doubling with.
0: (laughs) I think most people are familiar with filament printers where you have these spools of plastic material, but not as many people know about what a resin printer is. So maybe you could talk a little bit about resin printers and what makes them different and what you can do with them. And um, are they more finicky, that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I actually think resin printers are the easier 3D printers to use, um, which... Maybe is a bit controversial um but there's just so few things that can go wrong with them and i came from a pretty non-mechanical background um and so when coming into 3d printing i um you know i had to learn quite a bit along the way um which is all right but like the resin printers they just kind of work there's like Pretty much two things that can go wrong with them you either haven't leveled it well or it's too cold like the environment's too cold for the resin um, because it has to be about 20 degrees celsius or above so i really think they're like an easier way to get into it the only thing is that the resin is um it's a it's a chemical and so you have to um handle it well it it produces some vapors and stuff so you just want to have good ventilation wear gloves and all that sort of thing and i think that makes it kind of intimidating for people um but I, I really like it, and I don't actually find that once you think about it, you're set up well, that that actually is much of a problem. And th- I think resin printers are really cool because you can get really, really fine details. Um, they yeah have an amazing, amazing resolution. Um, so you can, like, jewelry, people often make jewelry and stuff with them. Keycaps for mechanical keyboards is one I really like making. Um, tabletop minis for Dungeons & Dragons or anything along those lines. Um, yeah, just really finely detailed things. And it's also cool because... You, you have a few material properties that you can't get on FDM printers. So um, there are transparent resins, so you can make purely transparent parts, which is quite fun if you want to do light-up things or, um, I don't know, it's just kind of cool effect. And um, you can also get, like, flexibles and stuff or add glitter into it or really easily dye Whoa. the resin. So you can change colors really, really easily on a resin printer. Um, well, yeah.
2: Can, can, can <laughs> you a take a, a resin printer and then – then- uh, change the color and add another color like on top of it
1: yes you totally can so recently I made some dice that are a gradient um that I was trying to imitate amethyst like that purpley sort of gemstone um yeah so you can just keep adding colors to, you can swap out colors so you could have a really harsh line that um you know differentiates the well wow. the colors and stuff yeah <laughs> You can also do this really cool thing where you print a void inside a part and then fill that void with resin um, or or a a colour. You could paint it, and it looks like you've printed something inside a solid block of clear resin. Um, Yeah, which is quite fun.
0: (laughs) What about, like, strength and, like... Do you, is it as strong as a filament, like a, a PLA or ABS?
1: Generally, no. Um, generally, it's more brittle. There are some newer resins coming out that are a bit stronger, but I still wouldn't recommend a resin printer for highly functional parts, especially if they're bigger. Like keycaps work fine, but um, the problem with resin printers is due to the way that they work, They, even though you get higher resolution, you don't necessarily have good dimensional accuracy. Um, I could explain how the printer works and why that is, but I don't know, might be getting a little deep, but they're just generally better for organic parts that don't necessarily need really strict dimensions. Okay, and stuff. Mm.
0: interesting. So it's more like artistic, creative, mm. organic kind of things.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I would, yes.
0: To generalize.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. as a general rule,
2: yes. Do you have a resin, you, you mentioned in passing quickly, the resin printer that you're using, um, is that one that? Could you repeat that? And is that one that you would suggest people start with if they wanted to do, start to do these kinds of
1: things? Yeah. So I have an AnyCubic Photon. That was my original resin printer, which was a good one to get into. Um. And about
2: how much does that cost?
1: Oh gosh, in America you can get them for under $300. Um, here in Australia, there's all sorts of other things that make it quite a bit more expensive. But <laughs> um, yeah, in America, you can get them under $300. And I I, um, I, also recently got a printer to in exchange for some copywriting work that I did for Creality, and that's a Creality LD002H, which is cool because it has a monochrome display A monochrome screen, Um, and again, I could dive into why this is important. But basically, it makes the prints faster um, without losing any quality or anything, which is cool. And there's a few printers with those monochrome displays coming out um, in, you know, in the last few months and probably in the next few months as well. So I probably would look for something with a monochrome display if I was um, buying a printer
2: um, now. When you say monochrome display, I I think of the display that might be at the control. But is it something different?
1: It is, yes. Yeah. So, okay, I will explain a little bit how resin printers work. Um, so most home-style resin printers are called MSLA-style printers. And basically what that is is you have a vat of resin and below that, the bottom of the vat is a clear film, like a piece of plastic, and then below that is a little screen and below that is a ultraviolet light. And the ultraviolet light shines up through the bot- bottom of that vat of resin into the resin And the screen between those two masks just the layer that it should be printing at that point of time, sort of like a cross section of that layer that it should be printing. So the build plate lowers into that resin right near the bottom. Um, The light turns on and the screen masks the first layer. Then that build plate lifts up and it peels off that film, which is where that warping happens, is that that act of pulling off the film Sometimes warps apart, so it peels off, and then it lowers back down into the bottom of the resin, um, and then it prints the next layer, and it just continues that over and over. So previously, um, because three D print these three D printers are sort of new to the home market, um, they were just using LCD screens that they could get off the off the rack, you know, like just existing ones, and so they were mm-hmm. all RGB style LCDs, and that meant that the UV light had to pass through many layers of the screen, one for each color. Um, which basically meant that you lost a lot of that light along the way and that a lot of that UV light was, like, directed around inside the machine so it got hotter and, you know, parts would wear out quicker because it was exposed to more light, etc., etc. Um So now they have monochrome dis- displays, which are just black and clear, um, which is great for 3D printers because it's just blocking what it needs to and it's only passing through one layer of that screen. Um, so a lot more light hits the resin and things cure a lot quicker.
2: That was very helpful. i (laughs) I had always imagined in my mind that there was like a laser head moving around rather than it being a screen. So that just shows that I had no idea. Oh, no, there definitely are some
1: laser-based ones. There definitely are. Um, They're just not as common in the home market, but there are some. Um, Yeah, so there definitely are laser-based resin ones as well, but they're just a bit slower, <laughs> and a lot more can go wrong with them, I think. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, so <laughs> I recently got a Prusa printer, my first 3D one, and mm. I've been playing around with it. And the surprise to me was that um, I lacked a skill to really maximize this, which was a skill of thinking, in th- or you know, 3D software, of, of being able to actually produce the files mm. that, you that one needed and so i i'm realizing that all these people who are very proficient in 3d printing are basically wizards and proficient in you know 3d software fusion 360 or tinkercad whatever it is and i'm wondering like did you have any suggestions about how you be, how did you become proficient in that
1: yeah okay so i started with no knowledge, sort of like you, no knowledge. Well, I don't know. You might have some knowledge in 3D modeling, but I, I didn't. Um, none. And I started with a software called SketchUp, which I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't actually recommend. I'd actually go with Tinkercad nowadays or 3D Builder if you're on a Windows. Um, and they kind of work like building blocks that you sort of attach together and you use one block to cut that shape out of another block, et cetera. And so you kind of build up an object by sticking simple shapes together like... Um, cubes and spheres and stuff so I'd probably Minecraft. start with that oh sorry what was that?
2: like Minecraft
1: yeah a little bit yeah a little bit like Minecraft yeah for sure um I, I'd probably start with that style purely because like it helps you work out how to orient yourself in the space and um yeah just kind of starts to build that understanding of moving around and how to construct things but then um I got into Fusion 360 which I now love but it was probably one of the hardest software's I've ever learned to use <laughs> because it's just a newer sort of way of thinking and it's very different to anything else I'd had to learn before. Um, but I now love it so much because it's called parametric modeling, which basically means you can set up variables um, within your model. And if you set everything up right, um you can change those variables at a later time and it will automatically calculate The rest of the model so if you have a model and it has lots of little screw holes and you set those up with a variable if you go and print it and then those screw holes don't fit they're like a bit too big you can come back and just change one value and it will totally update everything else in your model so that everything else works and then all those so great yeah it just saves so much time and it's um it's kind of a little bit magic it feels really good to do yeah
2: (laughs) It's like style sheets in design or something. It
1: is. Yeah, much like a style sheet. Yeah. Um yeah. yes, <laughs> with more maths, but yes.
2: Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, so 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 that's what, so that's been the realization was that people like you who are really doing a lot of it, you have to become really good at this new kind of um software set and there's a certain amount of skills, but I guess the path going from TinkerCAD in the beginning and then moving to 360 seems to be the um, the easiest way to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if your goal is to make functional items, for sure, um, if you want to do organic stuff, there's probably, I would just point you at one software, there's a, a web page called SculptGL, which just works like a block of clay that you kind of draw into and, and sculpt from there, which I actually probably feel is a more intuitive way to get started with making 3D models. But it is much more for organic shapes. Like, yeah, it'd be really hard to make a box that's nice and well-dimensioned in there.
2: Okay, well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so your next, um, uh, suggested tool is, um, is an app. Is that right?
1: Yes. So this is an app called forest. Um, and I'll, I've popped a link in, in our little document so you can get the right one, but what it is, is a gamified Pomodoro helper. Um, and Pomodoro, I feel like needs a little bit of an explanation for anyone who hasn't heard it before. It's, um, It's a system of getting things done, Um, and basically you set a timer, usually for about 25 minutes, and then you just work solely concentrating on one thing for that 25 minutes. And when the 25 minutes is over, you take a five-minute break and relax for a bit, have a drink bum around on social media and um, then you start another timer for 25 minutes and you continue that for three rounds and then have a longer break or four rounds. It depends. You can kind of shake it up and do what works for you. Um, But yeah, this tool really has helped me many times in my life to stay focused at work. And when I was studying, um, which I think comes back to me having ADHD, which I only relatively recently found out. I actually found out about Pomodoro before this. But yeah, it just helps me stay concentrated on what I need to be concentrated on. And this app, yeah, which is sometimes hard for me, but this app is really cute because it shows a little tree growing. So you set the timer, and hit go, and it has this little tree that slowly grows throughout the course of the timer. And if you navigate away from the app, like to social media or to a different web page, because you can get it for your browser as well, it will kill the tree. (laughs) And so it just, I know, like it just... And it sounds so silly, but it's just enough to keep me going. Like the little reminder when I open it, it's like, "Oh, you shouldn't be doing that, and the tree might die." Is it just enough to keep me on task?
2: <laughs> That's so cool. Did yeah, you know, is yeah. App is that phone app? Yeah,
1: yeah, phone and Chrome as well. So, um, iOS and Android and Chrome as well. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you get a little forest because you built up a few little trees, and it's kind of nice oh, to see. see your progress.
0: I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I love that. And and is it free or ah, one time or monthly or
1: I actually it's definitely not monthly. I'm not sure. I feel like it's mm-hmm. free. If if it's not okay. free, I just paid for it at one point in time. Um a very long right. time okay. which I've forgotten about. So it can't have been too expensive because I
0: have forgotten. Yeah. About. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. So it's probably something that's not too expensive. Oh, it's two
2: dollars. Oh, oh, there there go. Go. Yeah. two bucks.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
2: All right, and yeah, it looks really cute. You it mentioned is. there were a couple other tiny apps that you were also fond of.
1: Yes, so these are more for computer stuff. Um, so there's one called Pure Text, which, um, so I don't know if you've ever encountered this. Probably you have, but if you're like copying something from a web page and you want to put it in a word document or an email, often it copies like the font and the color and the size mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and it looks really. Like janky if you're trying to make it match where you're going to. Yeah. And on a Mac computer, you can go control alt paste or whatever. There's a keyboard shortcut for it natively on a Mac. But on Windows, it doesn't have that. And I've always really missed it. Um, But this app, Pure Text, allows you to just do that. It builds that into uh, like you can make a keyboard shortcut to remove all the formatting from that text so that when you paste it in, it looks all neat and how it should be um, so it's a really tiny app you can download it and it just runs as an exe so you don't have to like install it onto your work computer or anything it just kind of works it's tiny and it just sets up a keyboard shortcut to do that and I use it all the time every day
2: <laughs> I, I only discovered that Mac shortcut this year
1: oh, there you and go. it's
2: shift option command v thank page. you yeah. <laughs> uh, but man it's changed my life because it's like I'm doing that all the time and trying to remove that formatting and this just makes it completely seamless.
1: Yeah, yeah. I really missed it when I moved to Windows because I just used it, yeah. And why every, did you
2: move to Windows?
1: Oh, it was ages ago, but I think I, I was getting more into video games and there just at the time wasn't that many on Mac. Oh, so,
0: okay. <laughs> so you're a Windows user now?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd love to get into yeah. Linux, but it just seems a bit intimidating.
0: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> My 16-year-old daughter got me into Windows. And so I've been using a Windows laptop um, and switching back to a Mac just because there's like font problems with uh, uh, another place that I work. But otherwise, I feel like Windows machines and PC hardware have caught up with Macs. Mm. And it's really hard to tell the difference once you're like using the app.
1: Or yeah. Or whatever, you know,
0: whatever you're using.
1: And the user interface has become... A a lot better on Windows and also not as good on Mac. Like when I was a child, I felt like the user experience on Mac was just so easy. Like it didn't Mm -hmm. take learning, but I feel like now Macs are a bit more complicated and Windows have become a bit easier. So they're sort of on par. I think so. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Windows 10 is a great operating
0: system.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: My (laughs) my son actually uses both. He's just like, I don't know what you call ambidextrous? dextrous. (laughs) (laughs) He's got his big. The desktop is Windows, and his laptop is a Mac, and he doesn't have any problem switching between the two.
1: Nice. That's yeah. good. Yeah, as
0: long as you are like the c- control and command keys, still kind of throw me off because they're different
1: right, right.
0: purposes for those. But
2: so, um, Bill, tell us about your 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 next uh, tool pick.
1: Yeah. So this is, <laughs> I think I hope this is okay because this is a person um my I I my one of my favorite tools is my psychologist um <laughs> yeah has just helped me so much I didn't expect talking about stuff to help me so much um I kind of wasn't a believer and then I figured I'd try it because I may as well and I just literally life-changing I understand myself so much better and I get so many tools for like dealing with life and not just when I'm depressed or anxious, which I have had a history of, but just when I'm struggling. Like at the moment I booked in to see him because I'm just not sure where I'm going with my personal business and stuff. And I just, it just helps to have someone who can kind of lead you through a conversation with yourself almost to like work out what you're doing. So I've just had so much benefit from my psychologist. I think everyone should have one, even if they're not, you know, really unhappy or anything, because it just can help. Help me grow so much. Um,
0: yeah. How long have you been seeing a psychologist?
1: Yeah. So, uh, oh gosh, a few years now, maybe three years. Mm-hmm.
2: Three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you have any suggestions about how to find one?
1: Um. Well, I got really lucky and got a good one on my first go. Um, I just started by talking to my doctor. I'm not sure exactly how it works in America, but um, I talked to my doctor and he had some recommendations. And um, yeah, I kind of got a good one first go. But if one doesn't work for you, I which I, I've seen other friends go through, definitely try another one. Um, but generally, they're good people, and generally, they'll be able to help. You can usually Google them beforehand to see what sort of specialties they have. Um, you know, in the types of things they help people with. You know, if you're depressed or anxious or whatever else. Um, yeah, so probably do a bit of that, but. Don't be afraid to try someone else as well you you're not stuck with one
0: <laughs> did you um try any like self uh help techniques before you went to a psychologist or anything like that or
1: yeah i was I've been depressed since I was a teenager basically maybe even before and and kind of always my parents don't really believe in psychologists or didn't at the time and kind of thought that they would change who you are as a person or they just tricked you into being happy or all this kind of stuff I've since learned is nonsense. Um, And so for a long time, I just thought, yeah, like I wouldn't go see one or anything. And I tried all the things I read about online. So, you know, like exercising and having lots of friends and, you know, eating well and all this stuff. And they literally just did nothing for me. Like they didn't help at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And I got... I got some medication, like some antidepressant medication um, from a doctor and then I started seeing my current doctor and he pushed me pretty heavily to see a psychologist as well, um, which I really am thankful for um, because I probably wouldn't have seen one on my own. And that really changed it. Like the antidepressants kind of Took the edge off, but I still had really, really bad days, and still felt really terrible about myself. And I mean, I still do now, but they're really, really, really rare. And I know how to handle them, and I, I kind of understand them better and stuff now. Um, so yeah, I really didn't expect it to work. I don't know how deep we want to get into it. I could be really vulnerable and open here, but yeah. <laughs> it could be a well, bit people, I think.
0: I'm, I'm <laughs> interested. Um, is do you do cognitive behavior therapy? Is that part of the the work you're doing,
1: mostly, yeah, yeah. Um, I think mm-hmm. he blends a few things together, but I think, yeah, mostly mm-hmm. it's it's CBT. Um, yeah, just kind of teaching me to recognise my own behaviour and and where it comes from, and it kind of just depowers it a bit.
2: <laughs> and
1: yeah, and giving me different tools and techniques to try in those moments, or or even when I'm not having a bad time, just giving me tools and techniques to try and you know work out what I should be doing with my future, or when I when I um, finished up at my workplace last year and started doing this whole making for a living thing that I'm doing now. I went to see him just because it was a big change in my life, and it was good just to have someone to talk it through with. Not that, like, I talk stuff through with friends all the time, but it really helps to have someone who can um, guide you, uh, guide a conversation with yourself, I suppose, to help you get yeah. where you need to be. Yeah, I think that's
2: yeah. the best way to put it. Uh, help professional, her yeah,
1: yeah. Mm, yeah, I like. I always thought. Yeah, it was just silly and kind of wanky and stuff. But I mean, they really learned something in all those years of study. It actually, you know, like it sounds silly to say now, but yeah, they're yeah. really helpful.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, it's thank well, you. That's for, great. Yeah, advice. I really appreciate your kind of, as you said, making yourself vulnerable. But I think your your conversation can help others who may be struggling, um, and maybe not as um, eager to go to maybe take that step to go and actually make that appointment because, um, as you said, it can can be very, very powerful.
1: So thank mm. you. For that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All good. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's great. It and I tool. think it's totally. A tool. Yeah. It
0: is because it's helping you accomplish something and helping you be yourself without, like, that, that kind of interference that can often happen.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And, like, you'd put a Band-Aid on a cut you got on your hands. It's just the same thing, you know. You're just getting help with your head when it's not doing what you want it to <laughs>
2: right. so um from the profound to the, to the maybe not one is as heavy as that what's your fourth tool that you want us to share with us today
1: yeah so this is one that i've recently sort of rediscovered and it is gouache paint it is gouache which is spelled gouache, mm-hmm. um and it's a kind of paint that is made out of pigment and gum arabic so it's essentially watercolor except that it's much more pigmented than watercolor and it's opaque
0: too right
1: it's opaque yeah it's opaque it's really pigmented um and I think it's really really cool because it kind of combines all the good things about watercolor and acrylic and oil into one paint and I don't understand why it's not more popular so I thought I'd do a bit of a spruik for it here today yeah <laughs> yeah definitely. yeah so um it's really cool because you um I really love one of the primary things I really love is that you can re-wet it meaning you can paint something and then it, days weeks later you can come back into it and just wet the paint and then continue blending into it or changing it you can even lift that paint off if, if you don't like it anymore so it's very impermanent um, in the sense that you can come back in and change it which is great and if you, anyone who uses acrylic for the opacity that acrylic can bring um will probably understand how frustrating it is that you only have a really limited amount of time to blend that color in with the surrounding colors or change that color otherwise you have to like basically paint over it um, which can be really really frustrating i also really love that it's very thin um so you can cover something and preserve any detail that's below it so if you're like painting miniature figures or something you get full coverage but you're not losing all the little you know eyeballs and armor details and all that sort of stuff on like a tiny little figure um i also like that it's washable so you know if you have children Um, giving them (laughs) acrylic is kind of a risky business because it might end up on the carpet or the walls or whatever else but this is essentially watercolor um, so you can just wash that off (laughs) Um, and you you can use really cheap brushes with it it actually is better with synthetic brushes rather than you know um, like with watercolor you really need like a sable hair which is very expensive it's from a little gorgeous little ferret type creature um, and so um, but with, with gouache you only need acrylic brushes and it actually is better because gouache is so pigmented that you generally want less of it on your brush. Um, so yeah it's very cool as a paint and I think anyone who likes painting anything should give gouache a go.
0: <laughs> yeah and I think if you want to see some amazing examples of gouache uh, do a search on the name Mary Blair. Ooh. She was like a Disney designer uh, who did a lot of the uh, background paintings for for Disney animated films? She was the designer of the Small World attraction, and her gouache paintings are like mind-blowingly cool. Oh. They're like you know, kind of mid-century
2: beautiful work.
1: Wow, I'll have to check her out. That's awesome. I'm only yeah. Kind of, she's so good. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> so, so you mentioned that that um, you could go back to them. Does that mean that when the painting is done, it's not really waterproof?
1: yeah it's not waterproof um you could put like but I mean you really don't generally if you're doing arty stuff you don't want to be getting it wet anyway like you wouldn't want to wet an oil painting even though technically it's waterproof um yeah so I it's not waterproof you could put a varnish on it but yeah like if you're painting something that will be in water don't use (laughs) gouache.
2: well I was thinking um like whether it's durable, like you were mentioning figurines, or if you were painting something that might be um, used at all, then you would probably either need to seal it with another transparent coat or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and if you were using it, if you were making a really functional object that just had one color, just go with acrylic or something that, you know, has good coverage and, and is really long lasting. It's probably not for the more functional stuff generally um it's more for the artisticy sort of stuff yeah
2: and how how about price is it does it is it about the same as good water colors or good, uh, yeah
1: if not a little things? cheaper i think just because it's not as popular um okay. but there's brands like reeves that make really good stuff like you know really decent stuff and really cheap as well so you can get a set i don't know australia is so different to everywhere else but you can get a set here for like 20 dollars. it's probably way cheaper in america to be honest um mm-hmm. But I've recently switched to Windsor and Newton, which are a really long standing brand of gouache makers. The gouache has been around for hundreds of years. Like we've been using it for a very, very long time. Um, And yeah, Windsor and Newton have made them forever and done a really good job of it. So they're probably a good one to point people at.
0: uh, Tell us about your new YouTube channel.
1: Yeah, so um, people have been begging me to do YouTube for a really long time, because I've been in the 3D printing community, you know, on Reddit and Discord and stuff, pretty active for a long time. Um, so I'm finally doing it, <laughs> and I <laughs> I put up videos of little projects and techniques and stuff that I work out, um, and I want to share with the world. And I also, every week, interview a maker of some kind. They're, they're a really diverse bunch of makers, um, and we have a, yeah, a sort of chat about what they like to make and how they do it and all that sort of stuff, which... It's really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. It feels like hanging out with friends. So I'm really, really enjoying that series.
2: (laughs) What is the name of your channel?
1: Just Billy Rubin.
2: And how many episodes do you have out so
1: far? Oh, gosh. Of the podcast, I think we have 12. Um, And then Mm -hmm. of my other videos... At least a dozen more. I think I'm in the 30 or 40 video range at the moment. Um, some of them are really quick, like little tiny tips on how to do something in MeshMixer or Fusion 360 or whatever. And some of them are longer projects, like how to control your toolpath with your 3D printer. Um, yeah, so it sort of varies in, in what.
2: And So you're posting um, pod or do you do the podcast in, with video as well?
1: Yes, but you can also get it on podcasting apps as well.
2: But, but, but it is something that you kind of like use a Zoom or something with. Yeah. And you're recording that. Okay. Oh, that's wonderful. Great. And, and Billy,
0: this, this is something that I think is interesting. You're doing some workshops with, with Make Campus. And um, I have been using Tinkercad for years because I'm afraid to make the leap to Fusion 360. But it sounds like you might be doing a Fusion 360 Basics course is that
1: right yes definitely so i ran one very similar just before christmas where we made ornaments for the tree um like christmas ornaments that you could hang around your house um and yeah it was really just learning the fusion 360 basics using christmas ornaments you really learn all the basics through that project
0: mm-hmm. um
1: yeah and most people on that course i think almost all except one, were people who had been using Tinkercad and were wanting to make the leap. So um, you'd definitely be in good company. So I thought, what can I do that's basically this course but not, you know, holiday-oriented? Um, and so I think we're going to make uh-huh. pot plants. So, like, um, yeah, like, planters for pots. Uh, plant, oh, pots cool. For plants. Oh, my gosh, brain. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
2: And what, what is... Oh, make, that sounds great. What is Make Campus?
1: Oh, Make Campus. It's new. Um, so because Maker Affairs are a bit hard to do in the current global situation, um, they're making virtual online, they're making a, it's, it's basically a platform that connects people who know stuff and want to teach people stuff with people who want to learn the things. And so yeah, it's like an online sort of university, but not, you know, degree based. You don't get a piece of paper at the end. It's just skills and tools and stuff that you pick up from other makers.
2: Hmm. And this again would be kind of like a Zoom-like conference that you would be presenting
1: in. Yes. Yeah. In fact, okay. we use Zoom for for the last one.
2: <laughs> and is there a
0: is there a cost?
1: Yes. Um. At least I think it, it's up to the to the presenter whether or not they want to charge. But I did put a cost mm-hmm. on mine because it you know it takes time to write these sorts of things. And yeah, of course. And I, I, of course. If I'm not doing that, I'm making videos.
2: So how much how much are you charging for your workshop? Yeah.
1: I was doing thirty for mine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's about four hours, four hours. And you really do walk away from it with the basics of Fusion 360. And the people gave me such awesome feedback from it last time. Like they, yeah, it was really lovely to read because I was a bit worried about, you know, when you do, a, when you present something for the first time, you're always like, oh, am I giving them everything they need? Is it going to go well? And thankfully it did. And I got really good feedback. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> come check that's that
0: out. cool so a live event four hours thirty dollars and you walk away with the basics of fusion 360 that is a total bargain <laughs> how do how do people go there like do they, you go to makecampus.com yep
1: yeah, yep yeah, yes and um they also have newsletters that come out that advertise the the upcoming workshops and stuff um i i haven't totally got approval for this pot plant one so i'm kind of spruking it a little ahead I'm, I'm meeting in a couple of days but i i feel like it Will be fine because um, we've basically done it already. Um, so, yeah. it sounds great. I, yeah, I, I
2: think there is room in the universe for a teacher who is available on demand. You can charge whatever you want—thirty dollars, fifty dollars an hour—that um, you could, you know, team view into my computer while I am trying to struggle with Fusion Three Sixty, and you'd answer all my questions as I need them.
1: That's a great idea, kind of like
2: house, like a doctor, like a book, one of those you know um country air doctors to make house calls yeah this is basically the you know fusion 360 making house calls and you could um i would absolutely pay for that because sometimes even watching youtube tutorials it's like I'm just on the wrong screen, or I have the wrong settings. I don't even see the settings that they, I don't know how to get to the settings that they're going to talk about. So,
1: particularly in Fusion, yep. Yeah, there's just
2: um, you need actually somebody kind of looking over your shoulder, and I think there's room for for that in today's world.
1: I would totally agree. Yes, definitely. I would be signing up for that platform for sure. That would have helped right, so, me immensely when learning. Yeah,
2: pitch yourself as a as a as a um, house making house calls.
1: Yeah, remote house calls, virtual house right. calls. Yeah, right. <laughs> check help house calls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I love it. Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> so,
0: so just just uh, to to get this correct, the URL is campus.make.co. dot co. If you go there, you can sign up for a list of to find out about all the upcoming classes too and it's called maker campus the one-stop hub for sharing the skills and expertise of makers and it looks like there are some really cool things uh that are offered there paper airplane boot camp um with that guy who is always at maker fair with really yeah, great I paper it, airplanes yeah, <laughs> stuff. yeah. Uh, bots yeah. A, a a five-week course on building bots so lots of cool stuff and then of course your your stuff billy um The the final thing I wanted to talk about before we jump off is uh, these beautiful and super useful posters, a series of posters you've created that give people kind of the basics on 3D printing, like do's and don'ts, or making sure that you end up with a good 3D print. Like if you're doing a a horizontal hole, don't do a a regular hole, do like a teardrop shape, that kind of stuff. Um, how if people want these posters where do they go to get them
1: yeah cool so um probably my website is the easiest um and just head to the shop you can download them for free from that page or you can buy them on Mm -hmm. Redbubble. um though if you if you just want to support me support me on patreon because i get more of the money but um yeah that's probably the best place is is my website and the shop um yeah they were they were born out of because i used to help moderate the 3d printing subreddit and um there was just so many questions that were basically you need to level your bed. Um, But leveling your bed, it's a really hard concept to describe virtually. Um, And everyone was doing this paper thing and you're like, oh, you just got to feel when it's right or it sounds right. And it's just really hard for anyone to learn with like virtually that way. If they could feel it themselves, it would be different. But um, yeah, so the leveling guide that I shown is how to live level, um, which basically means you're leveling it as it's printing and you can actually see whether it's level or not using the little table that i've put on that on that poster um so yeah it's just yeah. like a very clear yeah very i really hope i really want to make a really clear guide so that all those questions i could just be like check out this poster
0: right. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. so useful it's a, yeah cool. they're, and they're beautifully designed so um Billy, I want to thank you so much for your time. That This was really great talking to you. And um, uh, we will have links to all the uh, th- things that you're doing because you're like super busy doing tons of things. And uh, I know that our readers are going to be interested in all this kind of stuff. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I feel very, very privileged. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Hey everybody, it's Mark from the Cool Tools Podcast. I want to thank you for being a listener to Cool Tools. And I also would like to let you know about our Patreon page. If you would like to support the Cool Tools show, as well as our video channel, the website, and all the newsletters that we do, you can go to patreon.com slash cool tools, that's just one word, cool tools, and pledge any amount you want. You could even pledge a dollar a month. Every little bit helps. We have editors, we pay for transcribing costs, we pay our reviewers. Every bit of money that you contribute goes towards supporting the show. I'd like to give a shout out to our supporters of the Cool Tools podcast. This week, I'd like to thank the following Patreon supporters. Bill Schuler, Bob Kay, Brian Pelly, Carl D. Patterson, Chad Cosby, Chris Wieland, Chris Weirstook, Craig Tooker, Dan O'Brien, Dean Putney, Danelle Cunningham, Evan Barker, Graham Medlin, Hans Reesbeck, Helen Hegedus, Jerry Kearns, Jim Lesko, Jim Spofford, John Pollock, John Burdenbau, Keith O, Ken Altman, Les Howard, Lauren Bast, Mock Nerd, Malton Make, Mark Gobel, Matt Gromes, Michael Douglas, Michael Jones, and Michael Pecorini. Thanks to all of you for supporting The Cool Tools Show. We really appreciate it.